You are listening to South Niagara Conversations, a podcast presented by the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, along with 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Here are your hosts, Dolores Fabiano and Scott Lund. Well, good morning and thanks to everyone who's joined us for our South Niagara Conversation Series. For those of you who are tuning in from afar, we represent the communities of Fort Erie, Niagara Falls, Fort Coburn, Waynefleet, Welland, and Pelham. We're located in Southern Ontario, no better place to live, work, or play. Joining me today is my guest co-host, Kevin Jacoby, co-owner and executive director of Canada BW. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Dolores. How are you doing? I'm great. It's um, We're heading into a long weekend, so I couldn't be better. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about today's conversation. We're going to be um, uh, get some insight as to how we did this past summer in terms of visitors to our local restaurants, hotels, attractions, and my personal favorite, wineries. Kevin, we really should have some rosé on hand, but I drank all mine last night, so... <laughs> I should talk camera, because it, at the time of recording, it is morning, so you do start with a white and work your way into the reds later on this afternoon, just for... You're, you're brilliant. Sake here. I'm you sure Andrew brilliant. will help us better for more uh, morning drinking etiquette as we go along. We look forward to that, Andrew. <laughs> I, I love you, Kevin. You... Love you too. Uh, I, I just love the chamber doing this because we have so many great unique voices in our community and that these these podcasts let's just share not only with the people in Niagara where, where, where we live and where we work, but the rest of the world can tune in and figure out why they have to come over here. And that's the important part. So looking that's forward. Right. That's yeah. right. Well, let's keep it going. Tell us who we have joining us this morning. Well, who do we have here? So well, let's start with Joel. Uh, we have Joel Noden here. Uh, he will be helping us understand more about our tourism. Uh, Joel is Director of Marketing and Business Development for HOCO Entertainment. And of course, we already talked about Andrew, uh, Director of Marketing from Consum and State Winery. So welcome, guys. Hopefully you're having a great morning so far. Great. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Hoco. 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 H-O-C-O. Yeah. It's a big letter, so I spell it out. So I'm really good at crosswords as well. Why don't we start with... Uh, uh, Joel, uh, what did you experience on your properties uh, this summer so far? Uh, actually, it was, a, it was a good rebound. Uh, July was still a little soft, um, as people, mm-hmm. I think, figured out what they could and could not do. <clears throat> but once we got into August, uh, we, we saw a strong August, pretty much back to, I wouldn't say 19, uh, 2019 levels, but close to it. Uh, still down a little bit, but at least getting back in that range. Uh, the biggest problem, again, is... Uh, you're probably going to hear this a hundred times, labor issues, and then actually uh, the capacity limits are still in place, uh, which, you know, you take 20% capacity out of, uh, out of uh, operation or 30% capacity. It's hard, tough to make up those numbers to full capacity. And do you experience the same thing at the winery then, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, Kevin. Uh, and just and thank you for having me, by the way. I'm just really excited uh, to be a part of it. So I, I really appreciate you including us. Um, yeah, it's, um, it, I think echoed to what, what Joel was saying. Um, I think our entire industry, though, in, in terms of the winery, has seen a bit of a shift. Um, so we've really fared well throughout the, the past year. Um, we've remained essential, so we've remained open. Our retail store has never closed. Um, and I think we've really focused more on the, what the, the guest experience would be. Uh, I think it's been really welcome to a lot of the visitors here at the winery and wineries in Niagara Lake. Uh, so really, I mean, we've, I would say we've seen less visitation, but in terms of our numbers and our sales, they, they really remain the same. Um, just we're, we're seeing more of a, or a bigger spend, I should say, 
uh, from the guests that are visiting now, just with less volume. So it's actually really for us, it's been a really, a really great model and a really uh, refreshing change. Yeah. And in, in terms of the marketing, um, Andrew, I remember um, chatting with you in the spring and you guys were doing some, some different things that you hadn't traditionally done in the past. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it, it was fascinating. Yeah, that's, so we've really shifted uh, to, and we've had the versatility to do it as well, to, to outdoor experiences where I think the guests feel um, obviously a bit, a bit more safer. Um, and it's just something we have, all wineries have these vast properties. So we have the, again, the flexibility to kind of, I guess, use some of that space that um, we not, wouldn't normally use. So um, we've invested with the help of some um, really great federal and provincial grants um, in a, a, a dome, uh, we call it our vineyard dome. Um, it's a, a more of a luxury style dome that overlooks the, the vineyard. Our winery is fortunate to be uh, right on the lake here in Niagara Lake. We're the only lakefront winery. Um, and then we've also renovated our patio with that same grant. But again, um, the focus for us here has been this, the seasonal business. So we wanted to, um, to have it winterized. We wanted to offer that same outdoor experience all year round. So it's, it's proved really beneficial for us. And uh, it's something new and unique, I think, to, to Niagara that, the, again, the, the guests have really enjoyed. Yeah. And Joel, we forgot to mention, you're also the chair of the Niagara Falls Tourism Association. So you have a, a, a bigger picture of what's been happening. Um, I want to ask you about the border. So did you see any impact once the border reopened to Americans coming into Canada? It was really it was really marginal impact. Um, I think there, with the current restrictions that are still in place to get across the border, we saw and that's to be expected. We saw that when passports came in, uh, it wasn't all of a sudden, you know, well, actually it was, things basically shut down. But uh, again, it was another another hurdle, but it takes a while for that to come back. And I think you'll see the same thing happen with, uh, with the travel from the US now. One thing it is doing is it's suppressing rates at hotels. Um, obviously the, you know, the, the American consumer, and I've talked about this before, where you know, we go to Florida, we, we open up our wallets and it's, you know, spend to our heart's content because we're on vacation and, you know, suspend reality for, for a week and then deal with it when we get back. And same thing with our, our American visitors. They come up here. Uh, it's, you know, an extra $50, $60 for a hotel room. Doesn't bother them. Uh, you know, they're here to have a good time and it's to make memories. And that uh, we're still feeling from a lack of U.S. visitation. Yeah. Yeah. And what about? Oh, sorry, Joel. Uh, when it comes to the idea of hotels and that, is it right across the board where they're feeling? Everyone's of course feeling the impact of, of the challenges, but what I'm seeing here locally and hearing from chamber members is uh, the higher end motels uh, and hotels uh, that have higher rates have come down quite a bit, which put a lot more pressure on your economy stays. Are you seeing uh, more pressure on those businesses? Uh, compared to say uh, some of our higher end hotels, it's it's a real trickle down. I mean, uh, the larger hotels, of course, have larger expenses, larger costs. Sure. Uh, you know, they, I was talking with a hotelier just yesterday, actually, and we were we were saying that they they have you know, almost a thousand rooms, and they were only selling five to six hundred rooms a, a night on a Saturday night, where normally they'd sell out because they didn't have anybody to clean the room, they have to have the turnover uh, capabilities. So just through, again, these restrictions and extra measures that are in place, they, uh, it's almost self-limiting their, their capacities. So I, I think that the pressure is on rate where, you know, once you start trickling it down, uh, 
you know, somebody that was getting $150 a night uh, back in 2019 is probably getting $99 to $100 a night. Uh, but again, their, their costs are much lower than uh, in a property like the Hilton or Embassy Suites, which, you know, it's a really many cities when you get into those complexes in terms of their operations. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that you've um, alluded a little bit to labor, and I know that we've been hearing across the board, all of our sectors, all of our markets, that labor is uh, or will be uh, number one challenge um, for, for everyone. And so I know that um, in, in hospitality, a lot of, as you said, a lot of the attractions, the restaurants, the hotels, they haven't been at capacity because they just don't have the, the labor to, to deal with it. So our, um, what is the plan around that? Like how, how will we attract people back to the industry? Because many people have, have left and, and moved to different sectors, different, different types of jobs. Um, but, you know, it's, we, we need the people uh, to keep the industry going. And, and so are there any plans around recruitment or um, good well, question? Huh? You know, yeah, actually, you know, it was, it's interesting. I was just talking with uh, some HR people the other day about this. And if you remember, it seems like a long time ago, but in 2019, we were feeling a labor crunch back then. Uh, it was more because we were so damn busy that we needed more people and we were, we were really getting a push on to try and get extra staff, stay open longer, serve people better. And then of course the, the pandemic hit and we had, now we have another issue, which is a, a change in, in lifestyle for a lot of people that are in the hospitality industry. You're that it's not uh, uh, an easy lifestyle, it's rewarding, but not always, always easy with late shifts and you know, in hotels and casinos. Uh, you know, 24 hour a day operations. So people all of a sudden got suspended out of that and they started dealing with their life in a different way. And, and the uncertainty of open, close, open, close, reduced capacities, increased capacities. I've got to be vaccinated. I don't have to be vaccinated. They've just said, you know what, I'm just going to move out of this industry. I found another job uh, during the pandemic and I'm going to stay there. And we're seeing people that have even come back at uh, you know, places like the casino and hotels and, and restaurants where they, they came back and they're like, nah, I remember what this lifestyle was like and I'm going to go back to what I've, my new lifestyle has become. Yeah. So it's, it's a challenge. And how do we get that back? That's a big question. Yeah. Andrew, are you seeing the same issues in, in the winery? Yeah, it's, it's actually been a bit frustrating because we finally got to our peak and ideal levels right before, around September and then everyone went back to school. Um, so we, we hired a lot of college, college university students. They, uh, they like the tips here on the patio. So that's something we, we were in a great place and then that happened. So, um, but I think something that, that COVID had taught us is we really have to transition and be ready to, to, to move very quickly and adapt. Um, so we're trying new things. We're, we're offering or we're looking at offering um, some, some bonuses for hiring. Um, so if you stay a certain time, uh, say three months, you get a, um, a monetary bonus. We're really, um, I think, promoting some of our internal uh, programs we have here. We do a lot of reward programs for wine. So um, just promoting what we have is something we've really, really never done before. But it's, it, it really is a great place to work. You don't see a lot of angry people. People come in for the most part. They're all very happy. Um, they leave sometimes even happier. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really been it's been a struggle for us. But. And to what Joel was alluding to as well, it's, it's 
the, the frustrating part is limiting us to offering more. So uh, we'd love to open up more programs, more experiences, but without having that that uh, key staff is just is really hard to, to do so. So I, I find that a little frustrating and limiting, but um, yeah, we're, we're pushing through it. Mm-hmm. And I know that we keep hearing, you know, that tourism and hospitality, um, you know, the, the rate of pay isn't great. Um, and I know that in talking to, to members of uh, our chamber, that the, the they're increasing, you know, like they're they're looking at bonuses, they're looking at paying more, they're looking at, you know, providing more flexibility. They're they're looking at all of these things to try and entice people to come back or to keep really good people. And um, Joel, you you must be hearing the same. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, I always get frustrated when I hear that you know it's, it's a poor paying industry. I mean. Yeah. We at HOCO, we don't have one position that pays minimum wage. I mean, we pay above minimum at every one of our of, of our jobs, and we've got complete teams here. I mean, we're not just you know, mom and pop operations. We've got IT, we've got HR, we've got accounting, we've got you know, maintenance, we've got HVAC people. We've you know these are, these are good paying jobs. Uh, you know, are you talking the student who uh, is going back to school and trying to make some money for you know their 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 school year? Yeah, those are entry level jobs, and hopefully they're gaining experience along the way to, uh, with us in, you know, just dealing with uh, people and life in general, uh, and hopefully some expertise in a career that they're looking forward to. But yeah, it's, it's frustrating because that's it's not the truth, and uh, somehow we have to get that out there. Yeah, it's always um, it's frustrating to me too because I I know that that's not true. Um, I know that pre COVID. Um, the industry really used a lot of um, access to a lot of our our um, international students, and that must have been another issue that uh, made the problem even bigger because those international students just weren't here. Did did you feel the impact of that as well? Big time. I mean yeah. that uh, you know we would get uh, the the students commit to Niagara College and Brock, and you know they can they can still work their twenty four hours a week. Uh, and they were more than willing to work. Uh, you know, they, they, like any student that's living away from home, they, that extra income is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that tap has been shut off. So, I mean, it's another challenge that uh, we're dealing with. Yeah, we've, um, we tried to uh, retain a couple of our summer students throughout the year. And we were able to keep a few, but, but we wanted more of them. And uh, they have too much on their plate with their schoolwork. And so many of them are either going back into um, onto campus and, and or have a hybrid of uh, online learning and on campus. And they don't have the time for a part-time job, which has really put a lot of pressure on us as well, because we, we typically rely on that, on that assistance. So yeah, labor is, um, it's, a big problem, a big challenge. And even the, the temp- international temporary labor uh, that can be brought in, I mean, like especially in the agricultural sector, uh, within the hotels, I mean, a lot of those people would come in and, and work as uh, chambermaids and, and doing maintenance. And, uh, you know, they work for two, three months and, be, and then go home. Uh, and because of COVID, of course, we, we lost that opportunity as well. I probably, Andrew, uh, your sector felt it uh, a lot more than even the the hospitality side. Yeah, we. I know we were very, um, I think, nervous at the beginning to bring to have our migrant workers come back to us last year. So that's something that we we definitely rely on, not just here at the winery, but I think it, like obviously all throughout Niagara Lake. 
Um, but that's, it actually worked out pretty well for us. I know there was a lot of uh, conversations between the federal government, um, uh, at, I guess when COVID started, uh, just in terms of bringing these migrant workers over and just, uh, I guess, again, shows how important they are to our community and our, our ecosystem here. But that it's actually, they're just delays. It's, it's actually gone really well. They were, a few of them were delayed in coming over, but um, once they got here, it, it seemed to go pretty smoothly. That's great, that's great. So I know one of the other things that um, pre-COVID um, was a big uh, was a big thing was the um, bus tours, and I don't uh, I don't know that they've come back. <laughs> uh, can you guys tell me what you've been seeing with bus tours and what you think the future of bus tours is is going to be? Who, either one yeah. of you? Well, I mean, there was a time when uh, you'd hit Labor Day, and then there would be a two-week pause. And then the buses would start rolling into town and you'd just see them on mass just down the parkway at table rock and you know our parking lots hotel parking lots uh yeah that stopped with uh with covid and you know it was on a slight decline to start out with it's a it's a slightly older demographic that uh, would take the bus tours uh, the traditional north american bus tour um and of course we lost all the international bus tours so yeah i mean that's that's a challenge and as far as the industry as a whole, I know that uh, really it's it's been trying to reinvent itself. Uh, the international market does does assist, but there's a, a greater propensity for in, independent travel now through the international markets. Uh, people are more used to traveling. Traveling isn't a isn't a foreign thing anymore. Uh, it's you know people get on planes and travel around the world with ease now. So th that I think that that whole bus tour businesses, it's going to struggle for a while. Things uh, that I love traveling and I would travel quite a bit pre-COVID and I haven't been able to now for almost two years. So what I've been doing is these little mini explorations of things that I should know more about in our own community. How have you guys approached the idea of engaging your local audience to help compensate for this? Yeah, Kevin, that, and that's similar to what Joel was saying too, with, with I guess, to, to back up with the with the large bus groups, that's been, and Dolores, we talked about this uh, in the summer, is that's been a, the biggest shift of our industry is, is that that those huge volume of people. It's, it's difficult for a small, medium, or large-sized winery to really... Um, I guess express or really get that message of when they're on here. It just it, it dilutes that intimacy of of of, uh, of the guest experience. So I think it's been really really well received. When we, now we can do these personalized experiences that are they're also very safe, but they're also very informative and um, and kind of catered toward towards our guests. Uh, and with with the local groups, I know we touched on the U.S. market before. Um, with them not with them not coming here anymore or, or crossing the border is for the wineries anyways it's something that we've never really um, focused that much on um, the U.S. customers while they're great there's a lot of confusion about bringing winery or bringing wine back over the border um, it's also once they get back over the border we can't really ship wine into the states there's there's really no um, no activation for any wine club memberships back into the states so um, and I guess then to your point, Kevin, um, that, that local market has been really key for us. And I think that's what we're finding is a lot of those guests now, I think they're focusing on some, some things maybe they never even knew existed in their own backyard. And, and they're just really pleasantly surprised. So I think um, we're hearing a lot of that. And, and just we kind of have the, the notion of saying, how could you not know we're here? Like we've been here for over 30 years now. But um, it's just they get here and they're like, wow, this is and I think it also reinvigorates them. To, to really, I think they don't take for granted of what they have in their own backyard now. 
Um, so I, I think that's been been really great for us. Um, and then in terms of the long term long term guest relationship, uh, that that continues for us. So um, what if you are local, if you are uh, visiting the winery, we can now market to you once you leave. So now we can uh, start selling uh, wine club memberships. We can start marketing some of our online sales. So it, that that that's been really great for us, and that's really gotten us through. And and we've really appreciated, it and um, and we're so thankful for. Uh, those local guests continuing to support us, but also those new guests who we continue continue to see at the winery. One of the opportunities I think that are out there, and I've had um, some lengthy conversations with Kevin Vellier from uh, Farm Fresh Ontario on this, is the, the whole agritourism. People, I think, are more more interested and and uh, want to delve deeper into where their their food comes from. Uh, their local, it's it's more. There's more shop local. There's the the field to table, farm to table cuisine that uh, is extremely popular. And for the, and one of the conversations I've had with Kevin is that really there's, to get to a lot of these places, it, it's a little, little difficult. I mean, you're, you're dealing on, in farm country and you know, uh, roads that uh, perhaps aren't, aren't as well marked or as familiar to people. And there, there's an op- opportunity there for some of the bus tours to take advantage of that. And that includes wineries and other, other types of production. And, and really, you know, when you look at production of, of food in Ontario, it's, it's a year-round proposition. I mean, people are doing this all year round, you know, from the, the spring of planting and, and, you know, fresh berries and that, that kind of thing to, you know, the fall harvest to feeding off the bounty of that at the end of it all you know, through the winter months. So uh, Kevin and I have been talking about that. It uh, doesn't have anything to do with Hoko. I guess that's my Niagara Falls tourism hat, but uh, I think there's an opportunity there. Uh, we're looking at tying in uh, music with that and entertainment, which is a big focus for Niagara Falls tourism right now. Uh, we're having a music week coming up uh, between Christmas and New Year's, and Janice will be announcing things, I think, uh, October 16th or 18th, one of the two. So I, th- I think from the agritourism standpoint, I mean, there's... There's big opportunities that that does cater to that that local market, and quite frankly, will assist a lot of these smaller communities that are that are trying to get into tourism or trying to boost their tourism products. Uh, there's there's a whole genre of, of product there that uh, I think there's an interest in. Okay, we want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Small Business Enterprise Center, City of Niagara Falls. Thank you for your support. Do you have an idea for a small business? Maybe you're trying to grow a business that you've already started. Whatever the case, the Niagara Falls Small Business Enterprise Center is a community service that is here to help. Offering entrepreneurs the tools to start and grow their businesses, the Small Business Enterprise Center is your one stop for free business information and advice. Serving Niagara Falls and South Niagara, learn more about how we can help you and your business succeed at niagarafallsca sbec. I will say, I, th- I think even my family alone, we've probably played about 50 rounds of the Dino Mini Putt uh, <laughs> alone. So that, that accumulates some visitation there. Just yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, really well, appreciate it. I was going to say one of the things that uh, that I did or we did uh, early on was um, we ordered cases of wine. <laughs> cases that sounds terrible a case at a time but different wineries that you know we had never been to we wanted to support the industry somehow and they were all you know delivering free and um they had different packages so you know you would get a sampler box 
And uh, I can't tell you how exciting it was to uh, have a case of wine show up <laughs> at my front door. It was kind of the highlight of, of the year. And it really allowed us to um, find some new and different wineries that we'd never been to. So it, it uh, I, I get what you're saying, Andrew, like it, it really did force the wineries to, well, everybody to, to think in a different way and um, uh, pursue different avenues of, of selling your product. And I think that's a good thing that came out of it. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, you were going to add something as well? Yeah, it's just, I really respect the tenacity of what's happened in the food and beverage industry because we did have to change because they were closed down. And they had to figure new ways around it. So like a lot of people don't realize is like a lot of the wineries that may not have a lot of SKUs in our LCBO, which is our local liquor control board here in Ontario, that they rely on their uh, licensees. So hotels, restaurants, not to sell the bottles for them, uh, especially for liquor companies. We have a lot of great uh, distilleries in the area. And what we saw was a transition from the bottles of, of alcohol to uh, coolers, cans ready-made that they could take out for takeout. And restaurants that you normally wouldn't do takeout with, all of a sudden developing a takeout menu to keep their staff employed, to keep their doors open in some capacity. It really showed the resiliency of what we have in our community. Yeah, and I was just so. going to add to alert to that. The, I think another major shift for us was technology in general. <clears throat> so in, in Niagara Lake, anyway, we have a, a large assortment of wineries, and, and many are very family-run, and many didn't embrace that technology side of it prior to COVID. So I think from the onset, you saw a lot of um, vast separation between those who really got it before they went into COVID and those who didn't. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of the family wineries almost had to almost catch up to where um, a lot of them, a lot of us were already were. Like we were fortunate to have a pretty large uh, email database. We were, we're very um, active on social media. We've shifted a lot of our marketing budgets to Facebook. So that right out of the gate, we, we had, a, I feel, a pretty big advantage. And, and we took it, we, I mean, we, when we reaped the benefits of it, I think, to start. But uh, yeah, like that, for the industry in general, that's outside of just whatever's happening on site at the winery. That's been a major, major shift for us. And, uh, and as you said, Kevin, very well received. Going forward. So hopefully we are going to see uh, end of a pandemic. It, it may become endemic or maybe something we have to live with and adapt our lives. But eventually we're going to have our borders open again. People are going to travel more freely in that. How is your business models going to be changing now? Because you've you've learned how to cope and deal with things and found new avenues. Are these going to be a bonus then when you add in the more traditional way? Or is this now the traditional way for you, your, your companies? Yeah, for, for us, I think, yeah, I, I think we're just, we're, we're so fortunate to have this online. And I think it really opens people's eyes to, to how easy and simple it is. Um, like Dolores has probably ordered a hundred cases from us, but I'm joking, <laughs> Dolores. But um, it just it's so from from when you initially order to maybe a day or two later, and it's sitting on your doorstep without you know without any interruptions. Like it's a seamless process. And for those delivery companies that we use, they they've really adapted well as as well. Just going with like the influx of orders. So that's that's really been a, a great program for us. Um, but I think what how we operate here as a winery with experience first. Um, slowing down the traffic and really focusing on on our guests um, was something we probably should have looked at uh, and focused on previous to COVID or even for the past few years previous to COVID. But I think that's definitely here to stay. Um, I think the large bus groups, the large amounts of traffic visiting, I think they might be a bit uh, a thing of the past. Um, but I, yeah, I think 
I don't know. We're we're fortunate in where we are, and uh, I think we're really in a good spot. Looking forward to where we're where we're going. And I want both to answer that question too. But I just wanted to add, uh, Andrew. I really love what the wineries have done in terms of you know the tastings, bringing them outdoors, and I hope that sticks around too because it just um, it, it it's another way to enjoy the product. Um, it's different, and uh, I I really like being outdoors. Um, so I hope that sticks around too. Yeah, and, and just on that point really quickly, ironically, like with this new, um, with the passport um, ruling, um, we're one, I think, with the only industries where you could be almost in the same room and half of the room, if you're doing a tasting, you would require a passport vaccination and the other half a retail store, you don't require a passport vaccination. So walking in the door, you almost have to pre-evaluate or pre-screen where are you going first. But um, our outdoor experiences uh, don't require passports. So that's another plus for those who may be, um, you know, staying back or a bit timid. Uh, we can still offer those um, those as well. But yeah, it's, that's been an interesting journey for us, for us as well. You know, when, when you talk to, about technology and, and using technology, Andrew, uh, I found, you know, some of those, perhaps some of the smaller operations, you know, they, they, would, they were running Facebook ads in 2019, you know, like spending some money through Facebook and some small ads here and there. And of course, with with the, the pandemic, a lot of people stopped that. They're cut back on their marketing. But I said to myself, "Well, are you still you know putting in tracking pixels? Are you still you know gathering the information?" And oh no, no, we just stopped everything. I said, "Well, why? I mean, you still keep gathering data for as long as you can because this will end. You know, whether to your point, is it an endemic or does it go away? Or you know, I hate to use the word pivot because I'm tired of that word, but." Uh, we keep pivoting, you know, th this is going to end and don't stop collecting your data. Don't stop mining uh, new customers and getting back to existing customers because they, eventually they're going to come back and your marketing budgets will free up and you will start spending money again. Uh, and I think that was one of the mistakes that a lot of people made is they just stopped collecting. Joel, can I ask, have you, have you changed any of your, um, your, your marketing channels? So have you maybe fo focused more on a social media channel than maybe pulled back from some of the print or um, like the billboard, things like that? Yeah, we, we, we've, uh, we made that change several years ago and, and really this amplified it. Um, we have a, a social media team that is more uh, telling stories. They're, they're, they're not just broadcasting. We have people that are on property, they're interacting. We do a lot of live broadcasts. Uh, we, we tell stories about the whole region, and I'm talking that HOCO, not that Niagara Falls Tourism. Um, and we found that that's really created a personal relationship between our property and our customers and potential customers, because we put a face to the, the name HOCO, um, which really doesn't mean anything to anybody, but Clifton Hill does. Uh, HOCO is a, is a corporate name. Uh, but we found that that's really worked well for us. Uh, we started that several years ago, and I'm glad we went in that direction because today that was a, a pretty in, uh, inexpensive way to market to people. You know, we're out there uh, doing live broadcasts. I've got two people; that's their full-time job, and they've developed uh, these relationships with our with our our customers. So, I, I would suggest rather than just broadcast, put a you know. I would say, you know, if you're in the cosmetic business, you, you put a lipstick out there, you, you show it on a, a, a good-looking model, and then, you know, you hope that you, you sell some. With us, we wanted to create that experience. And I think for the wineries, there's a lesson to be learned there that you can really create these personalities to work with yeah. and tell a story.
Yeah, that yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then and I think just the the, the um, extreme targeting that you can do to approach the or to target these guests is something that the social side has really helped. Um, the influencer, I mean, that's a relatively, I, I think, overused term, but that's something, again, that we've really focused on the, this influencer market where they come down and they uh, participate in our experiences a lot. We just give them the experiences, not even really a, a monetary value attached to it um, in terms of paying them to come down. They just partake in the experience. They um, they broadcast it to all their all their users, and that's again like that. Act, a lot of the times has really shocked me. We've had an influencer here in, in our Vineyard Dome, um, a TikTok influencer, and and we probably just in incurred revenue just from we probably made well, and I don't know over probably 50, 60 bookings just from this one influencer visit. Like that that shocks me, and and maybe I'm old now, but um, that's something that that uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised by. So that's something I think will continue as well. So we we did a. a big marketing launch with, with Alicia Cara uh, a couple months ago. And it was, it was based off that. It was, it was you know, let's, let's be cross-beneficial here. She was launching a new album. We needed uh, somebody to get our, our product out there to, to every market. And she was very broad in terms of her, her appeal. Uh, so it was win-win. And you know, we had just on that one video uh, through our channels, it was, it was okay. I mean, we did, uh, you know, Tens, a couple tens of thousands, but through her channels and, and distribution, it was like 189 million. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, another example of an influencer really coming through for us. Joel, I think the silver lining here is we need to start our own TikTok channel. I think that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Tide <laughs> <laughs> pods. But yeah, no, it is. It's amazing. I think that's an entirely another topic about the idea of how marketing and media and celebrity have changed and how it impacts our businesses. But I, I, this was fantastic. Uh, thank you both so much for representing your industries, giving us an insight in what's going on. We're all different, but we can all learn from each other at the same time. Uh, it, it was an amazing conversation to be part. Dolores, what's going on next week on, on this uh, chat? Oh, okay. Well, next week, we're going to be joined by uh, three local business leaders. Uh, you'll mm -hmm. know their names. Uh, they're going to be sharing their own experiences with regards to their own business plans. Um, we'll chat about some of their epic successes and failures uh, as they strive to keep their plans relevant. It's going to be a great conversation. Joining us will be Brian LaChapelle uh, from B4 Networks, Neville Kidd uh, from Desjardins, and he has a bunch of uh, his own businesses as well. And of course, Vern Milo from Growth Associates. So to all of our listeners, send us the topics that you're talking about because we want to talk about them too. Thanks again for tuning in and have yourselves a great week. Stay strong, Niagara. <laughs>